bless you and we praise you. We worship you and we magnify you because you're worthy to be praised and adored. And we love you, Jesus, because you first loved us. And we thank you for giving us this day that we can rejoice and be glad. Father, I thank you for no down days, no doomsday for us. These are rejoicing days and these are glad days for each and every one of us. No sad days. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So claim that. Amen. Rejoicing and gladness all day long. Amen. Praise God. So uh, I thought I'd go over the prophecy for this year with you guys so that we can get, uh, praise the Lord, and understanding. Sister McKinney, is this going to blow up on me? or? Is... Oh, Okay, (laughs) I found something in here. Praise the Lord. It didn't blow up. Amen. I love Sister McKinney. You know, I mess with her because because I love her. Ain't nobody else going to mess with her like I do. Praise her. Yeah, ain't nobody got time to mess with this McKinney. (laughs) Praise God. But uh, in the beginning of the prophecy, uh, the Lord had been speaking to me about 2013 and that it would be um, a year of two extremes, either uh, missed fortune, M-I-S-S-E-D, missed fortune or great fortune. You decide which one. <laughs> you decide. It's always up up to us. It's never just written in stone and we have no say so in this it's up to us and the decisions that we make that will decide what type of a year it'll be for us and so it begins the year 2013 the number 13 has a significance biblically the significance has been exaggerated in the world and the 13 is always said to be an unlucky number and a number of misfortune the Lord is saying that while there is misfortune for some, those outside of my covenant, outside of my grace, and outside of my will, this will be a year of missed fortune. But those of you who love me and obey me, even in the toughest of times, that you stay and you stand fast, this will be a year of great fortune, says the Lord. So, <clears throat> I thought I'd back up a little bit and tell you uh, some of the, the ideas and symbolism behind the number 13. These I took from a uh, Bible, um, uh, you know, website that expounds, you know, kind of studies these things out. 13, it says, a number that cleanses and purifies. So it's a number that cleanses and purifies. The number 13 brings the test, the suffering, and the death. It symbolizes the death to the matter or to oneself. So in other words, 13 can be a good number if you're dying to self and if you're dying to certain matters that are troublesome for you. So death can be a good thing, in other words, if you're dying to the right thing. It symbolizes death to the matter or to oneself and the birth to the spirit. So it's a death and a rebirth. It also symbolizes the passage on to a higher level of existence. For the superstitious, this number 
brings the bad luck or the misfortune. For the Kabbalist, that word cabal really means someone who is involved in intrigue, suspicion, espionage, that kind of thing. The number 13 is the meaning of the snake, the dragon, Satan, and the murderer. But it is also for Christians the representative number of the Virgin Mary, she whose mission is to crush the head of Satan or the woman. Really, they say Virgin Mary, but it's the woman and the man-child, you know, from the book of Revelation. Number in relation to the cross and also to the family, since by reduction we obtained four. One plus three equals four. It is the element of two T-O-O, that which makes pass from cycle from a cycle to another with what this change implies of anxieties for the arrival of a new unknown cycle. So 13 really talks about going from one situation to another, one extreme to another, one level to another. It's a passage or a doorway from one place to another. So it can be transition. One of the things that we, one of the words Christians use all the time. It also represents the eternal love illustrated by Jacob and his 12 sons, Jesus Christ and his 12 apostles. So 13 represents eternal love. If we consider 13 as a wheel to 12 rays, that is to say 12 units around the center, it is beneficial. If we take it as a prime number, it is maleficent or evil. It is especially evil when we are at a table or when one believes in his power. But as observed judiciously, who is this Grimrod? I don't know who this is. The number 13 is to be feared only insofar as there would be to eat only for 12. So in other words, 13 is not to be feared. If we represent 12 under the form of zodiac, 13 is 12 plus 1 is the number of the eternal return. The 13th hour also the first just like the 25th or the 37th. So 13 represents a beginning. 12 representing a completion of a day. 13 representing the first hour of the next day. The image of a creature kneeling ahead the throne of God, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is symbolized by the number 13, one ahead and three. It is the manifestation of the good or bad generating power, according to one philosopher. Number representing the Son of God, according to some writers. The 13th mystery of the tarot does not have a name. It marks the uncertainty or the hesitation, the fickleness or, again, a transformation, the end of something, the death of something, a renewal, a rupture, that is to say, a very important change. So the number 13 represents, to sum it up, what people are, are saying here, is a transition between one place to a next, one day to the next, one era to the next, or one level to the next. Thirteen, as far as the church is concerned, represents the government of man under God. Example, there were 13 men at the table of the Last Supper. 
the 12 apostles, and Jesus, who is the head of the church. So then 13 represents, 12 represents man's government. Amen? We know that. Okay. (laughs) 12 apostles were 12 sons, uh, 12 tribes of Israel, etc. The number 12 represents man's government. 13, when Jesus said at the head of the table, represents man's government under God or under Jesus as the head of the church. Amen? So 13 representing man's government under God means that this will be a year where man will be favored if he stays under God. He stays under God. This will be a year and a season of profound impact of church authority, governmental church authority. It also is a year where people in the church need to stand fast and not move from their governmental positions or their positions of faith and positions of obedience that that faith compels. So this is a year where it's important for us to recognize the leadership of God in our lives. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. So you follow God wherever he goes or you follow the lamb wherever he goes. And great authority will come on you for God as you follow him. So this being a year of great governmental authority for the church in the earth, great impact of our words down here in the earth, this is the head of the church leading the church in full authority. <clears throat> it says again, for there are many for there are many fortunate circumstances yet to come upon my people, says the Lord, and the enemy would have you miss them because of missed fortune because of error in your steps or deception or snares and traps that he lays for all men says the spirit of God but those who are wise will stay with me and will trust me as a good shepherd for this is the year where my leadership in your life will be of the utmost importance as you watch and see the missed fortune of many Many will fall on your right hand and on your left, but it won't come near you. You will just walk through it as on dry ground, says the Spirit of God. Your feet will not slip. You will not be fearful. You will not even sense danger. But when you look back you and see the destruction that has been in this year in so many areas, you will relish in the fact that you know your God. That will be validation that I am with you. And you will look and you will heed that sigh of relief and say, thank you, Jesus, because you brought me through a most difficult time that had come upon the earth, says the Spirit of God. So there is great danger for those trying to go it on their own or trying to move out in some kind of religious power, uh, some kind of power that isn't uh, yielded to the word and yielded to the authority of God. This year we'll see the authority of the church increase. Authority, I mean that people will be able to look at the church for answers, be looking to the church for a word, for confirmation, 
um, this business of um, trying to set up Christians to look bad will stop. The tricks of the enemy, amen, will cease because in true governmental authority, it's real. It's not challenged. You got me? It's not challenged and it doesn't back down. So what we've seen in leadership in the church in many, many instances has been kind of a false authority. It hasn't been the 13. It hasn't been the 12 with the Lord Jesus Christ at the head of the church. But it's rather been more or less self-made leaders, self-made people, uh, a different structure, a different format. Um, They might have a denominational structure that they work under that gives them a level of authority within that denomination, but it doesn't work in the heavenlies. Got me? So we're talking about the authority of the church that works in heaven, in earth, and under the earth, in all three realms. And so when your authority works in all three realms, there is no foe that will be able to stand against you. They bow. You got me? They bow. And they don't openly challenge your doctrine. They don't try to slip you up uh, with words. Um, We're going to see a lot of this uh, foolishness uh, that people are all this liberal, um, uh, social liberalism begin to be exposed as the fraud that it is. Because people are going to stop caring so much who you sleep with and they're going to get sick of hearing about it. You got me? Because eventually people get weary of issues. They just, they just get fatigued and trying to, to understand it. And then people will start to desire purity instead of acceptance. You know, they'll desire to be right with God instead of being accepted with man. So the church then, when, when the church comes up and the authority, her rightful authority under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ, then she'll, she's able to execute written judgments against these things. And then people will start to suddenly wake up and say, well, what is going on here? When did we ever tell the government that we like this? When did we ever tell the government was okay to do some of the things that they're doing? Because many of the laws that are enacted in different places are enacted just with a stroke of the pen and, and without people's consent and without their, their knowledge. And so part of the government of the Lord Jesus Christ and the government of the church is to bring government of the people by the people and for the people back. Amen. In countries that where people want that. <clears throat> so I believe a lot of countries will be freeing people up. You're going to see some dictators that can't get well. You got me? Just not get well. And they'll just fade away and, and their place will be known no more. You see? Because it's time for that. See, the, the Lord wants to free people up. He wants to free them up to make the choice to choose him, to hear the gospel, to allow the gospel to be preached. And in preaching the gospel doesn't take a lot of money. It just takes people that are willing to speak for God. And so when God's government, his true government, comes back into the church, we'll see a rise in the body. We'll see an increase in the body where the body feels confident, the body feels secure, and the body wants to get the message of freedom uh, into the hearts of men and is not afraid anymore, see?
So that that concern with everyday things are concerned with penalty. If I say this on my job, this will happen. I can't say this here. That the the fear of penalty comes off of a church that knows her authority. This goes nowhere. And so we understand and we're confident in our God. We know that we have a mandate from God to speak on his behalf and to set people free. And that's what the church will want to do. It's a church that's in her full authority. So we will see more uh, of uh, uh, the devil's uh, wiles exposed and they will bow to the authority of the church and get in their place. They'll they'll be put in their place because they know their place. And right now they're out of place. You see, they're asserting authority that they don't have. And so when the church begins to wield her full authority under under God's leadership, then you'll see devils getting in the place where they belong because they know they're out of place and they know their time is short. You got me? The time for them to rule and reign and wreak havoc is very short, and they know that. And so when the church begins to rise up, then she will know who she is, and that will automatically put the devil in his place. So there will be a divine order. There's When the church raises up in authority under the word and under the Lord, it sets everything in order. So there's this doesn't belong over here because that's not God's will. This doesn't belong here. There won't be any. Uh, uh, well, God allows certain things. There won't be rational, you know, rationalizing what's going on in the world and why it happens and all this. This stuff will go away because it has nothing to do with the truth of God's word. It has nothing to do with divine order. So we'll see divine order take place in many, many quarters because this is what happens when the church rises up in authority. She's able to set things in order because she knows the order of things. So many times the church can't set order because we don't know the order of things. But once we're under the proper government with the Lord, that becomes crystal clear. So there becomes a clarity as to who belongs where, what belongs where, what what people are allowed to speak and what are they allowed to say, what can't they say in certain things, what's allowed and what's not allowed. And people who are looking for relief and looking for salvation and rescue will take to it. Because finally what they're desiring will come and they'll recognize it. So many times the church has the message for the world but they don't recognize it. And so once once our authority becomes clear, we set things in order, then the minds of men will be cleared so they can see clearly and understand clearly what the Lord is saying to the church. You got me? It won't be garbled and muddled and and perverted and twisted, but it'll be a clear message because of the purity that comes to the church when the Lord's the head of it. See, when Jesus is in charge, everything's set up right. There are no hypocrites trying to fool anybody and uh, twisted things and perverse things and playing games with people and uh, setting up many churches and just getting in a bunch of money and so you can have your name across a lot of stuff. All of that stuff goes somewhere. It fades into the background. 
And the true church begins to stand up and use her authority. Devils must bow when they see righteousness. It's the one thing that stops them. It's not your, your big words and it's not how loud you speak or, you know, how you prance around. But it's righteousness. And knowing that you are totally set free from any blame, any kind of, you don't need to make excuses for yourself or blame somebody because you'll know that that grace is shed on many other people as well. Yeah. So the business of the church, you know how the church usually gets a little freedom and then we take our freedom and put other people in bondage with it. Huh? The Bible says you shouldn't do that. You know, if you're if you're strong in something, don't flaunt it before a brother who's weaker in something. So many times what what we've done in the church is take the thing that we're free in and use it to bind somebody else up, judge them according to our standards. Well, that kind of nonsense is is not righteousness. See, that's a false thing. And so when the church understands righteousness and understands that it's one of many garments of God that we wear, see, when you see it as an article of clothing that you possess, then you'll be able to understand the function of it. See, many times we don't understand things because we don't just take the time to understand what God says about them. But righteousness is imputed to us. We didn't manufacture it. We can't kill it. We can't do anything with it but accept it just the way it is and let it function in our lives the way it's supposed to. So when purity comes to the church, people will understand who they are. They'll understand righteousness. And they'll begin to wear it like a garment not to be lost and not to be taken away from them, but under your control. It's totally under your control. When you put on Christ, you make the effort to put him on. He doesn't decide to let you put him on or not. You make the decision to put on Christ. Because he's been given to you. He's been imputed to you. And when we understand that and, and start functioning in full authority then there won't be any confusion. No devil in hell will be able to stop us because we won't be confused anymore. See, once you know how who you are and know how to function as a child of God and an heir of Christ, then you don't have any problems with anybody. You don't have any problems understanding what to do. You don't have any problems out of devils. You don't have any problems on anybody. You just put on Christ and you roll with it. Amen. You just go on with that. And so when when the church really understands these things and is not trying, is not intimidated into trying to be something that she's not. Then we can function for God. We can function for God. Instead of being self-conscious when you're around your brethren and trying to pretend to them that you've got it going on and you've got this and you've got faith and you've got all the other things, you just wear Christ. And that answers everything for you. The Bible says in Proverbs, let me see, let me find it here, Proverbs 28. 
I threw my Bible down. Hang on a second. Let's see what I meant to share with you back a minute. Twenty-eight, verse one, says the wicked flee when no man pursues them. Mm-hmm. Evil people run from nothing. Huh? They just jump and run because of the control that the enemy has over them. So they flee when no man pursues them. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. Yeah. So this is what you're going to see in the church now. Righteousness and boldness that comes through righteousness. See, when you put on Christ, Jesus has no insecurities. He has no doubts. He has no fears. He's not concerned about what he looks like. He's not concerned about who doesn't like what he's doing. See, all of these human flesh things that we're, we're subject to continually fade into the background and then Christ steps forward. So you're going to see in the church who, that walks in her righteousness is a bold church. So the righteous in this righteousness we'll find a great deal of boldness to just step up and pursue what it is that God has. Righteousness pursues and goes forward and is not concerned about what yesterday brought. Always forward looking. Righteousness pursues the forward progression of things and is not held back because of what happened in the past. As Paul said, forgetting, forgetting what's behind, you press. And so righteousness is really what causes us to forget what's behind and press forward. Because all we see is the now and the future, and the past belongs to God. See, if it's a good past, there's a reward for you there. There's good memories for you there at the appropriate time. But the righteous are continually making forward strides and going forward in God because that's what Jesus is doing. He's always going forward and not backwards. In Proverbs 7, I think I'll take Proverbs 11. Hang on a second. Proverbs 11. Yeah, in verse 5, it says, verse 4, it says here, Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers a person from death. So righteousness is better to be had than money when you're in trouble. Hmm? People always want to find a good lawyer and be able to afford the best lawyer. No, you just find God. You just find him and stand in your righteousness. 
The righteousness of a perf- of the perfect shall direct his way, but the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. So when the church begins to flow under the authority of the Lord in a proper way, then we will see much wickedness fall right before us. It won't be able to rear itself up and, and get control over uh, a whole thought or a whole uh, 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 industry. Uh, the way, you know, motion pictures and entertainment and all that kind of stuff has just kind of fallen prey to wickedness. You know, you won't be able to see all of that power come forth that way. It will have to lose its grip or loosen its grip on those different areas because people will lose their desire for it because of the rise of the church in her proper in her proper place. Righteousness does deliver the upright. And there is no law against righteousness. So we will not be afraid to lose a job because we pray with somebody. We will not be afraid to go and talk with somebody in a high executive position. We won't be intimidated by their place, etc., etc., because righteousness is no respecter of persons or offices. Righteousness just sees what God wants it to see. And is able to function the way God would have us to function in all situations. One of the the downfalls, I think, of the church at times is that when the church is able to contact people in high places, they lose their perspective on who they are. See, we get intimidated when we get... If God puts us in a room where, say, a famous uh, athlete or a famous entertainer is, and we're intimidated and we lose righteousness, we start thinking about, well, is this right to say, or I don't want to make a mistake, or something like we go over and above what we would go if it were just Mary Smith coming up to the altar for prayer. You understand me? And so when you step back out of God's righteousness, you start to lose your grip and your authority in the earth, and then we have to fall victim to their game. See, we have to play their game. We can't say certain things are wrong, or we can't refuse to marry homosexuals, or we can't refuse certain things because we're told now that that's wrong, and what we've always held to be right is not right anymore, and we stop and consider it. We stop and wonder, well, well what is the right thing to say to people? See, what, what is the, how do I put this? What do I, see, righteousness doesn't think like that. Righteousness is bold. Whatever happens, happens. You can read a scripture just like you read it. You read it in the Bible, you can read it to anybody. And you can tell them what thus saith the Lord. And you're not, it's not your word, you're just the messenger. And you see yourself under the authority of the head of the church. And you're using his authority to set captives free and get shackles off of people because they've been bound by the enemy. Just because he's gotten a certain amount of authority and power in certain areas. And he uses that to intimidate people. He uses it to intimidate people. I was really thinking about what Apostle Binion preached last, last uh, time. About what a few people the trouble a few people can make, you know, when they get together on something. <clears throat> and homosexuals are running 
all levels of government in this country have a great influence and they're only what at the most six percent of the population uh, like legion you know oh it's a lot of us in here you know and so we have to understand that there is an authority in God and a place in God where we see clearly these things and we're not worried about how we sound to people. I don't want to sound mean to people and I don't want to sound uh, like I'm not compassionate or I don't love people. I don't, I don't want to. Uh, righteousness doesn't think like that. So you don't sit around second guessing what God gives you to do. You just do it because you love God and you know it's the right thing to do. So righteousness understands God, loves God, and wants to do what God says to do because he sees beyond people's hurt feelings about their sin. He sees a soul that the devil will take to hell and is taking to hell daily because he has the church bound in insecurity. Rebellious Christians who do not accept the rod of discipline will suffer loss with the world. They will not be able to bear up under the pressure of the enemy and will fall away into sin and greater sin. Bitterness, envy, and strife will be great temptations for the church to get involved in because of the intensity of strife on the earth. Where Christians, a pastor will shoot his wife and daughter because they don't know how to resist strife. See, this is something that, that almost was unheard of in a family. You know, you did whatever you needed to do to keep peace in the family. You just didn't let it. I mean, they can fight out there and, and they may be coming to attack us, but we stick together and we have peace in this home. We don't argue continually and, and let things break apart inside here. But see, strife now has entered into almost every corridor. And there's great envying and strife. These are enemies of the church. Great bitterness, envy, and strife will be upon the earth as a weapon of the enemy against us. Without God's wisdom and his spirit, we will fall into strife and torment. The wisdom of God will be available in abundance, though, to his people. So just like the enemy is coming in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord is raising up a standard of wisdom against him. Where you will have a word from God that will, will quell strife and will not let it escalate to the point where people don't get along and there's a breach in relationships. Soul winning will be easy and abundant and lasting. Huh? Because righteousness, there's no law against that. There's nothing the devil can say that will, will corrupt your words twist your words, interfere with your words, or make your words misunderstood. Nothing. So that when you speak to someone about the Lord, they understand what they need to do to be born again. They understand what the commitment is toward God. They understand that they're leaving the world behind and they're entering into God's kingdom and it's a kingdom of righteousness and holiness and they must live right before God. They must live right before God. People will want what you have. 
And many of them will ask for it in desperation. You'll see people that you've talked to in the past suddenly come up to you like somebody's chasing them. You know, the wicked run for when nobody pursues them. And in desperation, they'll ask you to pray for them and ask you for God. Because it'll finally come clear to them what God is doing and what he's expecting. The world will recognize that Jesus is loving and powerful and must be respected. And they'll see that through his people. God will be revealed in his people in a way that unbelievers will recognize. They'll know that it's God. You don't have to tell them a hundred times that, you know, God loves them or, or whatever the message is. They'll get it the first time. Because the enemy, the, because of the authority of the church, that the gates have to lift their heads up because the king of glory is coming through. With his government on his shoulders, of his ministers and his bride, then they will understand clearly what's being said and what's, what's expected. God's will, his word, and his counsel do not change. And people will see that. They'll see that they can't talk Christians out of their message. They'll see that they can't intimidate us out of our message. Amen. And they can't confuse us with some other kind of crazy message. They'll be put to shame. They'll be confounded. God has always hated sin. And those who are righteous will be bold to declare it. We won't compromise on lifestyle, on sin versus righteousness. Sin is void of wisdom where righteousness is full of wisdom. So you'll have right answers, appropriate answers, answers that will help people, and they'll be coming back for more. You won't be scaring people away all the time. You'll have people who repeatedly come to you and ask for the wisdom. The righteous will stand out because of their wisdom. Okay, I'll go back to the prophecy. It says here, page two. Okay. But those who are wise will stay with me and will trust me as the good shepherd. For this is the year where my leadership in your life will be of the utmost importance. As you watch and see the misfortune of many, many will fall on your right hand and on your left, but it won't come near you. You will just walk through as on dry ground, says the Spirit of God. Your feet will not slip. You will not be fearful. You will not even sense danger. And when you look back and see the destruction that has been in this year in so many areas, you will relish in the fact that you know your God. That will be validation that I am with you and you will look and you will heed that sigh of relief and say, thank you, Jesus, because you brought me through a most difficult time that had come upon the earth, says the Spirit of God. For there will be places where robbery and looting will increase, says the Lord. There will be an extension of the war of the rich against the poor, says the Lord. There will be much striving, even in households, but yours will be a house of peace. Yours will be a household of great fortune 
if you will listen to me and you will heed my word and you will cling to me and go forth in my power and my anointing. There will be great opportunity for ministry for my people. And under that I wrote prophetic people. For there will be a word of wisdom that will come forth from you that will help those that are reaching out to me but don't know how to find me, says the Lord. So in other words, we will be God's true representatives down here on earth. If somebody is crying out for God, it will be a common thing for them to seek you out. And, and people will say things like, oh, I had a dream. I saw you in a dream. Have we ever met before? God will point you out as the person that has the answer for them. It will be that personal and that specific to many people. <clears throat> This will be a year of beginning of harvest, harvesting of those who want me and want me of a truth, says the Lord. Not the religion that they've been fed for so long, but they want me, says the Lord. I will stand out outside of religion. I will stand out in such a way that they will be able to see me through my glorious church. So stay with me. Don't leave me. My hand is not changing. I have an unchangeable hand, and I hold you with the right hand of my righteousness, and as you are righteous in me, there's no law against you, and there's nothing that can stop you. You will plow through every difficulty and every challenge because you put me first in all things, says the Lord. There is also great fortune coming to those fortunate enough to hold on to the great fortune that I promised you, says the Spirit of God. And yes, there is much to come. Much has not yet been revealed, says the Spirit of God. But it will be revealed to those who cling to me and are led by me as my word is declared that if you obey me and serve me, you will spend your years in prosperity and your days in pleasure, says the Spirit of God. So God will be revealed more to us as we relate to him in relationship. Say, for instance, if you're uh, meditating on the word and, and you go out and you begin to do your day's activity, God will begin to make that word that you just read manifest in the thing where you'll find a leading of God specific to you, where the the relationship will get tighter and more secure. You'll You'll be able to be really a partner with God in all things. You won't be going out and trying to do this and trying to do that and hoping it works and, and have a, a sense of, of uncertainty about things. But you'll, you'll be able to like read a scripture and then you just go out and you see it come to pass right before you. And that's intimacy with God. See, that's knowing him in revelation and relationship where he can really be a shepherd to you. He's actually leading you step by step every step of the way through his word. And will manifest himself and do great things. He says, and this will be a season of great pleasure and great fortune for you, says the Spirit of God. Because of relationship with him. Because we're related perfectly to the Lord. That we stay under his authority. We're not cheating on him, so to speak. You know, where you're upset about something or or injured about something or offended about something you just lay it all out there you know so that 
He knows what, what you are concerned about. You trust him with it and you're able to get these things healed and get them taken care of. And, and there's great uh, revelation and relationship uh, between you and God. You're not running around wounded and, and you know, harboring ill feelings and running to the altar in desperation and trying to get half of it knocked off of you. You know God as healer. You trust him to heal you. All your wounds are open to him, and you know that he's the one you go to. You got me? Not No funny business in the relationship. You know, it's a mature relationship. It's not this immature stuff that we're used to. You know, well, God's dealing with me, and, you know, I've been dealing with this for 10 years. Uh-uh. We don't have 10 years to deal with somebody looked at you wrong stuff. You understand me? We We don't have that time for them kind of shenanigans. Especially when you understand righteousness, you understand you put righteousness on it. Put that crap off. You don't wear that anymore. Amen. You grow up and you take it as it comes and you allow God to work with you and to help you. But for real, though, so we grow up out of these things and grow into Christ. So this will be a season of great uh, pleasure and great fortune because the Lord will be your pleasure. Serving him will be your pleasure for real. It won't be hard and it won't be like you're you're missing something or you're giving something up for him. All this legalistic stuff will fall by the wayside because we'll learn how to walk in the spirit and through the spirit mortify the deeds of the flesh and not try to beat ourselves into some kind of goofy submission. Huh? And many of you are sensing it, says the Lord. Many of you are seeing small encouragements here and there. And you know that that's the cloud that starts the size of a man's hand. Man. So when it first starts, it starts out barely visible. But as you follow that cloud, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And then you're under it and it's a full shower. So there will be abundance of rain for those who follow the Lord. There will be abundance of good things. There will be abundance of revelation, abundance of watering the word, abundance of supernatural experiences with God, abundance of supernatural power in God, abundance of it every day. Mm -hmm. Stay under the cloud until it bursts forth. That cloud is God's shadow overshadowing you. A cloud is is for rain, but the cloud is also a birthing. A cloud, because of what it contains, is a sign of birthing. And when that cloud bursts forth, it brings life with it. Water is always a symbol of life. And so if you stay under the cloud, you stay under the shadow of the Almighty. You stay under the authority of the Lord. You stay under what God, I don't care how small the trickle is. You've got to stay under it. You've got to be faithful under it. You can't run out from under the cloud and see what else is someplace else and run back again. Huh? That's cheating on your husband. That's infidelity. God sees it the same way. 
The true bride isn't curious about what the world has to offer. She's already renounced the world. In fact, overcome the world. <clears throat> See, when you overcome the world, you don't want what the world has any longer. You care less what, <laughs> you know. But you're, you're laboring now to please God. And to, to enjoy the, the fruit of your labor, the fruit of your hands. That's what we labor for. And so in, in this, this season, you know, this starting off now, this year, where God is going to show us what, what he will put upon us if we will stay under him. If you just stay under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stay under the word. Stay under righteousness. Don't let anybody strip you of who you really are. Learn how to walk in who you are. Forget about the past. Renounce the past. Put that thing off. And you'll see God do the miraculous. And so God says, so in this cloud, many of you are seeing small encouragements here and there. And know that that's the cloud that starts as the size of a man's hand. And as you follow the cloud, it gets bigger and bigger. And you get under it, and there is abundance of rain for those who will follow me, says the Spirit of Abundance of rain for those who will follow me, says the Spirit of the living God. You know what happens with people? They get a trickle, and they're not satisfied with the trickle. Huh? So you've got to crucify your dissatisfaction. You've got to crucify your complaining. You've got to crucify your I don't have enough. There's not enough, and you've got to start looking for abundance because it won't be there if you don't look for it. Faith looks for what God says is there. He says, so hold on, hold on, for your help is drawing nigh. And I'm coming for my bride, says the Spirit of the faithful one. Amen. Faithful to God. Not running back and forth trying to see what the world has versus what God has and comparing the two. You don't care anymore. Huh? You don't care. It's like somebody who's been married 40 years. The looking is gone. We look no further, okay? Been looking at each other for 40 years. <laughs> you ain't getting no younger and I ain't getting no cuter. The, wait, the look is over. Huh? You look no more. The new thing is upon us, says the Lord. And yes, it's been difficult. And yes, it's been a struggle for many of you, but it's worth it. You've got to sum it up as it's worth it. For things that I could not use in your life have been shaken off and removed, that that which is pure and godly and holy can remain. And there is no stopping a holy people. There is no stopping a holy people. There is no stopping a holy people, says the Spirit of the living God. Amen? Praise God. Amen. Amen. So that's what we look forward to as prophetic people. We understand that significantly 13 represents man's government under God. Before we've only had the 12. Now we have 13. 13 completes it according to God's order and according to God's will. 12 is man's government. 
where we've seen our natural governments rule over people and reign over people and not serve the people. But God's government is a government that serves the people. So finally, there will come equality, there will come freedom, there will come liberty, there will come an opportunity to hear the gospel, the real gospel, so that people can be converted to God's kingdom and we can appreciate the things that God has for us because it will become clear. As we follow God and we do what he tells us to do, it will become very clear what the church is, who she is, and who God is. And he'll be available to his people. He'll finally be able to reach people the way he wants to, and he's going to do it through us. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to hear and understand your word. We thank you, Father, for allowing us to come inside of your heart and inside of your mind, really understand things the way you want us to understand them. That this is a year of great fortune for those who will obey you. For we know that there's no free ride in this kingdom. We've all got to be obedient to your word. We've all got to be people of faith and great confidence in you. And faith is the key, Lord. Faith is always the key. The faith works by love. And love is a part of your righteous spirit. So we thank you, Lord, for bringing everything together for us in one package that we might know you and we might be used by you and we might have a good year, a fortunate year, a year of great fortune, this 2013. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Praise God. tells us that it says when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you this do in remembrance of me in the same manner also he took the cup and when he had supped saying the cup is a new testament in my blood this do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat, and so let him drink, <clears throat> eat that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. So we take time before we partake of the cup and the bread to examine ourselves before God 
If there is anything in you that you feel is not approving to the Lord, you ask forgiveness for it before you partake of his body and his blood because this is holy. These are holy elements. The other thing you take into consideration are weaknesses that you may have, fears that you have, things that perhaps God may be requiring of you that you feel inadequate to fulfill. And he will take that away from you, remove that from you, and then strengthen you and fill him with yourself, with himself. So take a couple of minutes, just go before the Lord. If there are things in this prophecy that you feel you 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 just can't grab onto or you don't understand how they apply to you, that's something you can bring before him as a weakness and say, God, just fill me up with the revelation that I need for this so I can obey this, so I can go forward and do what you want me to do. The communion table is for strengthening us in Christ, removing weakness, providing strength so that we can go forward and be everything he wants us to be. So this is a time where that that transfer takes place, that you release that which holds you back from doing, obeying, being what God wants you to be, and you partake of Christ, and you enter into his strength and his ability And then you can overcome and you can conquer. Holy Spirit, we thank you for revealing these things to us. And we put them here on the table. And we ask that you remove them. Forgive us for them, Lord. They've been entered into knowingly or unknowingly. We seek your forgiveness that we might be clean before you and take of this cup worthily, Father, and take on the strength of Jesus. So take the bread and eat it. He says, eat of my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Now drink the cup, which is the New Testament in his blood. So we now entered into the the spiritual life of Christ, receiving the body and the blood of Jesus. Let's do this as quietly as possible because we're still receiving from God. Amen. Just take a time to sit before the Lord 
and listen to what he's speaking to you. Understand what he's giving you. Understand what he's imparting to you. And um, Sean, I want you girls to be seated in the sanctuary. That's good. Thank you. And just allow the Lord to minister to you his strength and his ability, his confidence in his Father, and his determination to be obedient to the will of the Father. has a word for you. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Now, the Lord's revealing to me that he's going to do something new for you, in you and for you. And God has, is saying this, he says, because of your faithfulness. He says, where others have come and gone in this ministry and in serving me, you have remained steadfast. And he's saying, I'm opening up new clarity in your thought, new clarity in your focus, new vision in your life. He said, I'm going to clear up some things that have puzzled you and at times troubled you. And I'm going to make it clear and I'm going to bless you and I'm going to give you things that you thought were impossible for you. Impossible is now possible. Impossible is now possible for you. That God's unraveling some things and the impossible is now possible for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, And the Lord's saying it's going to be easy for you. It's not going to be a puzzle and it's not going to be a struggle, but it will be easy. It'll be engrafted in you and it'll be a part of you because I'm putting it in you right now, says the Spirit of the living God. It says I'm putting it in you right now, says the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. From the top of his head to the soles of his feet, Father, renew Renew, 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 renew. Praise God. Juan, come here, honey. Give somebody the baby for a minute. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. That's okay. The Lord's saying, you pursue me in a way that others may look at you and think you're not pursuing me, says the Lord. And the Lord says, I know that I have your heart because I can take you deep into meditations 
where things are answered for you, where you ponder things with me, where you seek understanding for me, says the Lord. In the secret parts, in the secret place, you seek me, says the Lord. And the Lord's saying, this won't go unnoticed by me. I notice this, and I enjoy it, and I want you to do more of it. Seek me more, said the Lord, and I'll reward you even the more. Seek me more, says the Lord, and I'll reward you even the more. Things that you would never believe are possible were possible with you as you seek me, says the Lord. Seek me and it will be real for you. Keep seeking me the way you seek me. You can't seek me the way others seek me. You have to do it your way, says the Lord. I made you that way. Seek me your way, says the Spirit of God. saying that he's going to spend more time with you as your father, says the Lord. I'm going to open up a revelation to you that you haven't seen me in before, says the Lord. You're going to see me as a complete and a perfect father, as the one who's always there, always been there, but I've been in the shadows in the past at times, says the Lord. So that I can help you to develop a hunger, a true hunger for fathering, for understanding what a real. There is. And under. a perfect father that's who I am 